Baby back door, baby fall off. Sipping codeine, cause I gotta kill the cold. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. Now it's time to go to work. There's not one guy in the history of this program that's bigger than the program. <laughs> Listening to Brandon Drum. Look, I think the program is moving in a great direction. And Parker Thune. Venables knows what he's doing. This is the OU Insider Under the Visor Podcast. Welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. My name is Brandon Drum. I'm here with Parker Thune. And we are here to talk some Oklahoma football. I know that is taboo these days to talk actual football and recruiting. Uh, Sky is not falling. Yes, they have lost three games in a row. It is falling in that, that sense. But I think the first thing we have to get to, I think we'd be bearing... Everything, the lead, everything is we've got to talk recruiting first because of everything, all the rumors and all this stuff that's going on because Oklahoma's lost three in a row games, Parker. And they just, they can't, they can't hold on to guys. And yet nobody has decommitted yet. Every rumor gets squashed well, by said recruits. Well, Brandon, that's because you're not talking to the right sources. If you were, you <laughs> no, would know that players. Jackson Arnold's planning <laughs> a visit players. to Notre Dame and Colton Vosick has already silently flipped to Texas. So, correct. check back he with your sources like before yeah, you spout off like that. The whole, go check out, go check out Colton Vosick's likes. Go check him out. Well, if you do go check out his likes right now, it is nothing but Oklahoma for like a whole page. Interestingly, interestingly enough, and Jackson Arnold, the rumor yesterday, I don't know how this started. I don't know what, but, and everybody wants to blame Tom Lawyer, which is just a weird thing about it. Like Tom has to respond to this. So he's going to talk to somebody and somebody's going to say, yeah, he still talks to Notre Dame. Of course, Jackson Arnold talks to Notre Dame folks. Of course. You want to know why? Because Notre Dame was one of the first people to offer Notre Dame was one of the first people to really recruit the kid hard. He visited Notre Dame three or four times. He has a standing relationship with Tom Reese, uh, with Mark Freeman, like those guys he is close to. And knowing who Jackson Arnold is, he's not going to just stop comms with these people. That's just not who he is. That's not who he is. 
But the one thing I can't tell you about that kid is he's loyal, at least at this point, he's been very loyal to Oklahoma. His girlfriend is none other than Gavin Marshall, the kicker at Oklahoma's sister, and they've been dating for years. Um, and they're both going to Oklahoma together. Uh, and Jackson Arnold can't do any NIL or anything yet because of the state of Texas rules or anything like that. But I'm telling you all, there are things lined up for that kid in regards to Oklahoma. And it's not, it's not, has anything Oklahoma has to do with it. Obviously, Oklahoma has their NIL stuff that they do, the $50,000, the the other stuff, the stand with Oklahoma, the 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 one Oklahoma obviously is the fifty thousand. Then you have the the NIL Norman, and then what's the new one? Crimson and Cream NIL, right? Crimson Cream Collective, yeah. Crimson Cream Collective. So he'll get all those. Plus, there's some things going on on the side that he will have as well once it gets to Norman, and that has already been that's being discussed with his family and everybody right now. And there's a lot to that, but all of that to be said, it would take a gargantuan amount. Like literally Jackson laughed, laughed at the notion yesterday and gave a WTF. What is going on type deal? Because he was shocked. He was shocked. Like got to this point because he said, look, I'm not going to lie to you. I spoke with Marcus Freeman this week. He called to congratulate me on my play last week and said, wow, you were really efficient, really impressive, all that type of stuff. On the heels of the conversation, he said, look, there is a spot for you at the Clemson game if you want to come up and visit. Jackson's response was, my coaches will not allow that, so I don't think that'll happen. In essence, a polite way of saying thanks, but no thanks. And where is Jackson going to be this weekend? Norman, Oklahoma, for like the 30th time. He's coming up to help recruit for his class with the three official visitors that are going to be there. One of them already committed. He's very close with Derek LeBlanc. The other two... They're trying to get into Celia Kana and Caden McDonald. And and obviously, he's close with Caden McDonald. They grew up together. They played Little League together in Georgia. So there is a lot going on that people are just overlooking, specifically Notre Dame fans and Oklahoma fans that are freaking out. If that visit ever happens, it happens, folks. It happens. It'll shock Parker and me. Promise you. We'll be just as shocked as everybody else. But right now, I can't see it. Parker, do you have anything you want to add to this? Because it is just like, I about wanted to pull my hair out yesterday. Even the fact that I had to call Jackson on this. And he was like, bro, like, what is going on? Like, literally. Well, actually, he called me after I sent him a text message. I said, is this true? And he called me. He said, hold on, I'm eating. And then he called me and said, let's talk about this because this is not true. (laughs) For anybody that listened to the two-hour segment of the pregame show at Kansas State, uh, was it Kansas State or was it Kent State? Might have been Kent State. 
for anybody that listened to that two-hour segment of the it's pregame him. show on the Sooner Radio Network that Jackson Arnold did mm-hmm. earlier this year, they're not worried, suffice to say, because obviously Jackson Arnold has said all the right things about Oklahoma. He's demonstrated all the right things. He's never given any tangible uh notice or inclination that he's wavering in his commitment to Oklahoma. But for those that heard Arnold unpack all of the reasons he's excited to be a Sooner, all of the reasons he wanted to become a Sooner in the first place over those two hours, like that was the most, that was the most in-depth look we've gotten at Jackson Arnold as a person and as a football player. And we'll have more in-depth stuff on Jackson as we get closer and closer to national signing day, especially with him being the keystone and the leader of this class for Oklahoma. But uh, look, if there's one kid in this entire signing class, you are not worried about it's Eric McCarty, but (laughs) Jackson Arnold is probably a real close second on that list at this point. Absolutely. Yeah. And you saw Eric McCarty yesterday. Um, Yeah. Talk, talk to me. Uh, I've seen him in person a bunch just because I covered him for a couple of years, but what, what, what is your first, thoughts of him your first impression that since it's your first time to actually watch him play in person yeah so i'd gotten to see quite a bit of eric mccarty on the seven on seven circuit over yeah, the years, yeah. but i've never actually seen him on a friday night in person before and he lives up to the billing you can see why his highlights are always circulating on social media every single time he touches the football field because he's just a dominant dominant football player i mean the strength tough nose mentality that he plays with the versatility like it was it was a quintessential eric mccarty game last night for him because he blocked a punt he scored a defensive touchdown he scored an offensive touchdown he took two snaps last night on offense he had two carries (laughs) one went for like a 21 20 25 yard gain and then the next one went to the house those were the only two offensive snaps he played but housed a pick six blocked a punt that's Eric McCarty. That's what he does. He contributes in all three facets of the game. He dominates in all three facets of the game. That's a four-star football player right there. And maybe the rankings don't say it right now. I don't know if they'll say it by the end of the year, but that's that, that's a four-star football player without question. And in a lot of ways, he was the perfect guy uh, for me to go see on a night like that because it – and it just so – I. I I planned my whole schedule out before the season, so I didn't know that I was going to be going to see Eric McCarty in the midst of a three-game losing streak for Oklahoma. But he's really the perfect guy to calm down all the dissension among the fans and all the public worry about uh, their elite prospects decommitting. Because, you know, Eric is sooner born, sooner bred. The second he got that offer, there wasn't anywhere else that he was even going to remotely consider. Mm -hmm. He was a sooner. So, you know he's locked in. But more than that, you know that he has an especially vested interest in making sure that his peers stay locked in. And that was one of the things he expressed to me is, hey, look, nothing's changed for us. And if one thing has changed, it's that even more so than before, we're all checking up on each other and making sure uh, that none of us wavers and that we're all still laser focused on the mission of restoring Oklahoma football to its former glory because, and that his words, not mine, the 2023 class can change the program. He said that he believes that. And when you look at the talent it has top to bottom and the balance it has from position group to position group, 
you'd be hard pressed not to believe that. Yeah, this is going to be a landmark class for the Sooners if and when they get this thing turned around. We're going to look back on this class as the year that plenty of those championship building blocks made their journey to Norman. So I kind of equate this this class to the 1983 class of Oklahoma and Barry Switzer. Barry Switzer, and you old heads will remember this that are listening to this podcast. They struggled, 82, 83, and it may have been the 84 class, actually. It was 84 class, and and so the 84 class was needed. Like, they needed something to happen. So they go out, they get Bosworth. They go out and get all these guys, uh, uh, Dante Jones, like, you name it, Tony Casillas, like, all these guys, uh, Keith Jackson. All, all these guys are just big-name guys. Right. And they go out and they get all these guys knowing that Switzer had gone to eight and four several years in a row. And people are starting to call for Barry Switzer's head. Like he's lost his touch. He's not doing this. He's not doing that. He needed a class to revive this. It may it was the 83 class because because Boss redshirted in 8083 and then started as a redshirt freshman in 84. So but that 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 class was essentially the class that Oklahoma looked at to restore the glory. So they go out as a bunch of redshirt freshmen, and they end up losing it or tying a game. Tying, I believe, was the issue. Uh, Texas, number one versus number two. When obviously Oklahoma won, Keith Stansberry drags his feet out of bounds, but he was obviously like three yards inbounds with the water, like scraping up in the air as his feet and his body slide out of bounds. And they said he was out of bounds on the interception. They kick a field goal, tie the ball game, but Oklahoma pretty much dominated that game up and down the field. I And my point is, is that this class has that feel, right? Like it has that feel of, you know, things aren't going right for Oklahoma right now, but if you can get this class to stick together for the next few months and look, they've made it this far. They've made it this far. They have two months to go, two months to go. Either it's all going to fall apart in the next two months, or we're about to find out just how strong the foundation is for this 2023 class. There's, there's no, there's no in between Parker. There is zero in between here. Zero. It is all hell breaks loose where they stick together and they become the dominant class that everybody thinks they're going to, and they add to it, which I think is going to be the interesting thing. If Oklahoma goes out and shows out against Kansas this weekend, and there's a good chance that that happens. Like, you and I both believe Oklahoma wins this weekend. And I I think... That with with everybody that's there, and there's there's some players that we're not talking about that are going to be there on unofficial visits because we just can't talk about it. Um, and and the reason is is because if we talked about it, and I'll tell you all this, if we talk about it, it'll get ruined, right? Like Parker, it'll get ruined. Like you just can't talk about it. Um, but. 
if they can if they can come out and play well, Parker, like I think I think there are going to be some visitors this week and they end up in the Sooners class. No, you're. I mean, sorry, I did, I didn't realize you were laying out for me there, but no, I. You, I'm laying. Exactly I'm right. laying it out. I'm literally throwing <laughs> your softball there. <laughs> no, but I, I, I mean, kind of tops on that list right now is to Celia Kana. Uh, the Sooners have been in a real good spot for him for quite a while, and uh, it feels like this is the weekend where uh, they could end up making a really strong impression and making a final push towards securing a commitment from him. He has a scheduled official visit to Texas A and M. Uh, we'll see if that happens. Uh, he's a guy and he's got a family that have always been very thorough about the process. So I would expect that they do take that Texas A&M visit before they uh, make any decisions. But uh, OU's <laughs> in a really good spot, and that's due in large part to the fact that Brent Venables has had a very active hand in that recruitment throughout. Uh, you talked about Cade McDonald, and man, the, the hang-up, as we've discussed for so long, is distance. Yep. But... Uh, I think there is a certain comfort level with Oklahoma right now that makes this an intriguing situation. Um, you got other visitors here and there, a guy that's coming up that we've talked about, uh, three-star Louisiana Tech commit Jacob Fields from Melissa. Uh, that's a guy that could end up being an offer take for Oklahoma, but much depends on how the rest of the safety room shakes out. Uh, I do think this is a really pivotal week for Oklahoma for plenty of reasons because if you go into the bye week with a four-game losing streak, man, your season is falling apart. And it is tail spinning out of control faster than you can uh, right the ship and straighten the wheel. That's just the reality. But on the other hand, if you lose four straight, this continues to kind of drag down the national perception of the program in terms of recruiting. And at that point, maybe you do get a couple guys starting to yeah. look around because they start to have their doubts as to where this thing is headed under Brent Venables. But if you win... You alleviate those concerns. The message you can present is, hey, look, Kansas State has our number. They just they have for the last decade or so. It is what it is. But if we have our starting quarterback the last two weeks, that game's or that game against TCU, that game against Texas, those go down very differently. We're a lot better than the four and three record that you all see on paper. That's the message that Oklahoma staff can then present to the prospects that they're pursuing down the stretch in 2023 and feel pretty good about their chances to land some of those uh, blue chip targets as we get closer and closer to the end of this cycle, whether that be somebody like Tisile Kana or Caden McDonald or Peyton Bowen or Ryan Yates. Uh, gosh, it's October 14th and we're still waiting on those two, Brandon. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, we well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. And, and again, there are visitors happening this weekend that we can't talk about. So um, let, let, let's let's let you all decipher that, uh, if you will. Um, but I, how long does Oklahoma wait, man? Like how long? Like obviously you're going to take Peyton Bowen no matter what. Like if he decided on National Signing Day, hey, I'm going to be a Sooner. You're going to take him and figure You'll out. You'll move the heaven rest. and earth to make that happen. And and but I mean, they probably don't even have to do that. See, that's that's something like we haven't discussed really out loud to a lot of people. Is Oklahoma could sign thirty five people in this class, and it still I don't think would be enough because I think at the end of the year, 
you're going to see a lot of dudes hit the road jack. Hashtag trust the processing. Yes, processing. <laughs> Not the process, the processing. Yes. Yeah. Processing. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, that, that's just it. Like, it, There's always going to be a good amount of numbers available for Oklahoma right now. Like you can act, everybody can act like, Oh man, you know, this is, is going to be going tight. If they get close to 30, no, they're not. No, they're not. Because Parker and I can say, we're not going to, but we can sit there and name probably 15 guys that we know are probably going to be out the door once the season ends. And, and it, I, I, I bet you come December and even late November Around Thanksgiving, you're going to start hearing buzz and rumblings of guys that are going to be leaving. I mean, we're already hearing it behind the scenes. Uh, and Venables, from what I was told last night, I talked to somebody last night for a good two and a half hours, literally. And this person would know. I promise you this person would know. And literally was told, Venables on multiple occasions this week stopped everybody and said, look, it wasn't just the one time that he said that he he said it during all the media events, but it's the same phrase, the same standing. He literally got up in front of the the, the team multiple cases, two, three, four times this week, and said, "I am not kidding. If you do not want to be here, get out. I will help you land wherever you want to land. I will put in amazing recommendations for you. If you're a coach, if you're a player." If you're a trainer, if you're a manager, you do not want to be here, get the hell out. That's that's how it was worded. Get out. Because they're going to fix the problems and they're, they're going to try to stick with the people that want to be Sooners and who don't. They're trying to rid everybody. Literally, literally, I was told that, and this is something that we've talked about before, Parker, some of the older guys are not liking how hard they are going right now. And the more they lose, the less these older guys like it. Like, that's a fact. That's something you and I have talked about publicly. We talked about it after the Texas game. We said it after the Texas game. And to have multiple people all tell me that again this week. Oh my gosh. Like, how bad was the culture under Muleshoe? They they ran amok. And you're seeing it. You're seeing it on the field. Like, this is this is called folks, what's happening right now, it's no excuse. It's crap what we're seeing on the field. But this is called a cleansing. The purge. It is the purge right now. It is the damn purge. And I don't cuss. Well, so I'm literally that upset about what's going on on the field and within this program right now, because everybody said, oh, we're buying in. We're buying in. And it was all good. Oh, yeah, they bought in. The second they lost to K-State, some of these older dudes freaking quit. No, that's that's 100% true. And we, and you know, it's funny. We talked going into the K State game about how everybody seemed to be 
legit bought in. And how was that? That was the one thing that stood yes. out about this team is everybody <laughs> seemed to be all the way down for what Venables was doing. And then one loss, boom, the mentality flipped. And it's unbelievable. I, you kind of hinted at it, Brandon, but I will, I think it's worth rehashing that. There will be some players, there will be some names that hit the portal at the end of the season that will surprise you. And oh, yeah. they might be pretty prominent players. But you know what? This is part of stripping a program down to the studs. This is part of overhauling a broken culture. And that's what it is at Oklahoma. And I think it got something of a refresh when this new staff came to town initially, I think spring offered something of a refresh, but it wasn't a true reset. And that's what it yeah. needs. It needs a complete hard reset. And you can't do that in the span of nine months. You can't do that in the span of one off season. There will be a concerted effort to make sure that it is done as much so as it can be in off season number two coming up. And, and here's the thing is like people, they want to sit there and they say, whoa, SMU, the, T the SMU staff went to TCU and they're doing all this and that. And some of these other first year coaches are doing well, blah, blah, blah. Look, here's the thing. When you have like-minded coaches replacing each other, it's easier. It's easier to get a program going in the way that you want it to go because there's not a lot of tinkering. There's not a lot of change. Like literally they're still having to do some of the, um, what's it scheduling the way that Riley did it because everything that Venables is trying to do, he hasn't had time to literally switch some things up as far as groups lifting and all this type of stuff. So it's literally the same groups that were doing the same things during Riley's tenure that are doing it now, like as far as the times and all that type of stuff. And that's because when you're trying to rebuild a stadium, uh, rebuild the facilities, excuse me, rebuild the facilities, brand new, all that type of stuff, redo the program, get everybody out, coach, do all the media stuff that you need to do, all that type of stuff. You don't have time in nine months to like get everything laid out and changed. Everybody is so swamped. That's why they keep hiring people within the program. Like they're still hiring people, literally still hiring people within the program. Like there's like a hundred plus people now that work in the football program. That wasn't the case last year. You want to know how many people worked in the football program in 2021? 40. 45 they're closer to 100 than they are 45 right now that's that's the difference and when you have all that going on and you're trying to restructure everything literally as parker said from the studs up like breaking it down to the studs trying to build everything back up there are going to be bumps in the road we told you all there was going to be bumps in the road this wasn't going to, we said that before the season. We also said we thought still, even with that, they were going to go 10 and two and we were wrong. We were wrong on the record. We were right that there were going to be bumps in the road. We didn't know they were going to be this big, but when you have all those issues going on and you have 
old old heads in the program trying to and I'm trying to word this right man because I don't want I don't want it to come across as just <laughs> so bad when you have old heads trying to fight the process I guess is the best way to put it fight the process I I guess and you have young guys who are trying to continually buy in but at the same time they're looking up to the old heads there is going to be some dissension there is going to be some there's going to be some issues and i'm not saying they're fighting within and bickering within each other i don't know that to be true i don't know that to be fact what i do know oh is i that, heard there were bare knuckle brawls in the locker room brandon oh my god people he's joking <laughs> if you're listening on the podcast and you're not watching on youtube <laughs> so he's joking um it, it just there there's just a lot going on like i i think i think the biggest sign that we completely overlooked Parker was remember Venables talked about when he first got there and he was taking a step back and just watching what was going on in the program and how lackadaisical everybody was with lifting and lackadaisical everybody was with showing up on time and doing everything the right way, whether it's watching film or doing this or that. And he was just in shock of how little all that was going on. Yeah. At that point in time, we should have sit there and went, oh, no, this is not going to go well in year one because they're going to – like the the players that are going to um, um, fight off, I guess, uh, the process. Like you could see it then. Like they were so used to – missing workouts when they wanted to miss workouts and do this or that that second everything got real stern and hard and if things weren't going well in the season like we should have saw this coming we should we were naive man so naive well and you know i think everybody everybody drank the kool-aid to a certain extent because you wanted to believe that it was going to be an overnight fix at Oklahoma yeah. simply because of how decorated and accomplished of a coach Brent Venables is, but and the talent on the field, man, the talent on the field, 71% yeah. are blue chips. Yeah. You would it's think, just... but the one thing we overlook is, and this is somebody told me source to this last night. I'll let you finish just a second, because I want to add to what you're just saying. A source told me this last night, literally what you're about to say last night. Talent is talent. Physical talent's great. And it's something I said too. But everybody's overlooking the mental part. You can't, when you're ranking players, when you're looking at the, you cannot, cannot overlook mental fortitude. And I think we do as rankings people sometimes because we just look at the physical part. And we don't like, if we looked yeah. at the mental part, Eric McCarty would be a five-star. Seriously. Yeah, well, he, he'd at very least have that fourth. Um, yeah. But no, I like it's a phenomenal point, Brandon. And it's something that is endemic right now for the Sooners because all across this roster, the mental fortitude is just not there. And I don't think there's a more 
conspicuous example in my mind than what happened last week in the Red River Showdown. Because, look, TCU was alarming. To lose a game like that, to allow things to snowball out of control, yep. that was astonishing. That was something that I haven't seen from an Oklahoma football program in years and years and years. But if this team had its collective head straight, man, they would have been able to flush that, move on, realize that, hey, we got our most bitter rival ready to take us on next week in the Cotton Bowl. We're going to straighten up. We're going to pick ourselves back up, dust ourselves off. We're going to come out and compete and play scrappy football for 60 minutes, regardless of who's playing quarterback for us. The Texas game was an indictment on this entire roster, and especially on the leadership among the contingent of players on this roster. Because what it demonstrated to me is that you don't have resilience. You don't have the right leaders in place within that locker room to be able to approach a situation like that Texas game with any amount of self-confidence. You shouldn't lose a game 49 to nothing at the university of Oklahoma. And you certainly shouldn't lose a game 49 to nothing on the heels of another blowout loss. That tells me (laughs) when you get blown out twice in a row, like that, that tells me the mental fortitude just isn't there. And yeah. that that all comes back to leadership at the player level, right? Mm-hmm. Because as we've it, w- with the coaches, as we've said, we talked about it on the post game podcast last week. You can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink, right? And it seems like right now the Sooners just have a whole lot of horses, a whole Staring lot of very mature pond. horses at that that refuse to drink. Staring at it, staring at the pond. What do I do next? Do I stick my tongue in there? Oh, that sounded bad, actually. <laughs> that sounded awful. <laughs> Pause. <laughs> All right. Wow. <laughs> yeah, sorry, people. <laughs> When, I, it, when it sounded, it sounded, it sounded good in my head when I started. Saying, I was like, "Wait a second, <laughs> it sounded really bad." <laughs> All right, um, <laughs> moving on. Pivot. Uh, yeah, <laughs> pivot, pivot. Oh, that's 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 literally one of the greatest episodes of all time on Friends. By the way, you watch Friends, right? I have not watched Friends. I've refused. Uh, oh, I've, 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 no. See, here's the thing. I've received several. What, what's the opposite of a recommendation? Because I've had several people tell me, hey, don't watch Friends. I'm a big sitcom person. Like, I like sitcoms. You but as many people as have told Friends. me, don't watch Friends. It is up your alley. Okay. Watch it. Okay. It's up your alley. It's up your alley. I love it. Like, it is hilarious to me. But I also grew up on it, so there's there's that too. But it's still it's still it still literally passes the test of time. Like it, it translates to today. Like they were so far ahead as far as what they were doing back then that even today, well, some of the things they say you can't say today, but that's what makes it funny to me that they're actually saying it. So, um, but yeah, uh, look, this team. 
if they don't win this weekend, I don't know that they win another game. We're canceling year. them if they lose this weekend. Is that what you're saying? Yes, we're we're doing 2022 and we're going to cancel them. That's what we're going to do. We're going to cancel. I I am offended by their play. And because the whole state of Oklahoma is offended, we are canceling them. Cancel culture unite if they lose this weekend. (laughs) Oh, man. I I mean, you might as well cancel the season if they lose this weekend at this point. Because, yeah, it's if you lose four straight heading into the bye and you can here's the thing. You can live with a loss like the loss you took against Kansas State, right? Because if the Sooners are fresh off the heels of three of those losses, I think people are alarmed, but I don't think they're jamming the panic button with both hands the way that some of them are right now. Because you lose competitive football games, that's one thing. To lose blowout football games in back-to-back weeks, that's another thing entirely. So you better be able to pick yourself up off the mat this weekend and beat a team that's down to its backup quarterback. There's no excuse for that not to happen. No, I agree. Literally, this this team, the offendedness of it, like I literally thought, like after I said offended, I thought, you ever seen Con Air? The movie Con Air? No, I haven't. Good God, Parker. Like these Listen, are Brad, you, should, you should know this by now. Like, if you make a movie and or show reference, there's probably a seventy to eighty percent chance it's going to fly over my head. I know, but people that are listening will understand that there's there's a guard, security guard, when they get on the plane, he says, "If you pass gas, and it offends my nasal patches in any way in my direction, I will kill you or something like that." <laughs> but he's talking to all the obviously the the convicts on the. Con Air, essentially, is what it's called. Um, but I, I just, I still think, like, if they, do you agree? If they lose this weekend, they're not going to win another game this year. Like, do you have that feeling? I don't. I don't know if I would say they won't win a game the rest of the year. I would say if they don't win this weekend, they're certainly not going to a bowl game. That's a heck of a way to get paused, by the way. <laughs> Dang it! Why? Why does my camera do this? It's always the worst possible freeze frame. For those that don't know, he's got his eyes closed and his mouth wide open with his chin up. <laughs> he's back, <laughs> but he wasn't. That was pretty funny. That was one of the more funny ones. Um, th- I, you you don't think you think there's a chance they win another game if they if they lose this weekend? Like I I just if they don't beat this team. If they lose to Kansas, I know Lance Leipold is a stud of a coach. Like, look what he's done in two years at Kansas. Like, they are – you could see it last year. Just like you could see the issues last year that we're seeing with Oklahoma, Sands, Caleb Williams. Like, you could see the issues last year with Oklahoma. Like, with all the talent they had, they were still struggling to do the things that they needed to do to win ball games they should have won. And luckily for Oklahoma, they had Caleb Williams that saved their butt on numerous occasions. And for those OU fans now, they're going to sit there, he's not that good, blah, blah, blah. You would take Caleb Williams back in a heartbeat if he wanted to come back to Oklahoma. 
I promise all you guys will like come back. We'll give you a big hug. We forgive you. Just go do what you did last year. Save us. That's not happening right now. Like Dylan Gabriel is not Caleb Williams. He's not. There's only like two quarterbacks in the country that are Caleb Williams. And their name is Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. That's it. I don't want to hear all this Quinn Ewers bullcrap because I watched Quinn Ewers try to throw a ball out of bounds and it didn't even make it to the hash mark and landed in CJ Colden's hands last week. He was great throwing to people that were wide open with no pass rush. I don't know that he's that great. Now, at the end of the year, I could be wrong. He's a good quarterback. He's a good oh, quarterback. You made him look a lot better than he actually is. is yes, exactly. Yeah, that's my kind of my point is he's not great. Uh, I just, I don't know. I want this team like, yeah, I, I let, let's talk about this. The players, who do you think as far as, who do you think is the young guys that will play this week and play a lot? Because for me, I think you're going to see RSJ out there a lot, Robert Spears Jennings. I think you're going to see Gentry Williams out there quite a bit. I think you're going to see Jaron Kanick out there quite a bit. Um, I think you see Grayson, Hal- Grayson Halton out there quite a bit. I think you're going to see Javante Barnes out there quite a bit. Jalen Gibson out there quite a bit. I think that probably sums it up for me on the freshman. That, oh, no, I think you'll see Kip Lewis in – I'm not sure Kobe McKenzie redshirts anymore. I'm just not. <laughs> it's hard to believe either of those two redshirt giving, given the lack of depth at linebacker right now. But then yeah. again, I feel like we've been saying for three weeks now, going to see a lot more of Jaron Canick this weekend. Well, Kip we Lewis looked really seeing. good. Kip Lewis did look really, did look really good. And it was like three or so four snaps. It was a very yep. small sample size, but yes, Kip Lewis did look good. And at, at a certain point, man, we've talked about it for a couple of weeks now. At a certain point, you just got to let these young guys go. And the one advantage that they have over their more experienced counterparts is that they don't have to unlearn. They don't know what they don't know. And sometimes that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I would say in a context like this, with what Oklahoma is dealing with and has dealt with over the last few weeks, it is a good thing. And you need to let these guys get a little burn. And we've seen it with guys like our Mason Thomas and – yeah, Javante he'll play Williams. a lot. Yeah. We've seen Canick. Uh, we've seen Gentry Williams. But, man, feed me some RSJ. Give that guy some run the back end of the secondary because it's not a pretty picture at safety right now. It's not. You might as well throw the guy that might be your best athlete at that position out on the football field. You might as well give him a shot. So I would hope you see more of RSJ this weekend. Um, I would hope you see – some Kip Lewis based on what he did in limited action a week ago. And then I would hope you see a lot more of our Mason Thomas, because that's one dude that gets after the quarterback. And right now, Oklahoma just has doesn't have a whole lot of guys that are doing that. Yeah. And you know, DJ Graham moving to wide receiver from corner and you're talking about it. You just took your backup corner and one of your better ones and just said, eh, you go, you go over there because we like these young guys a little bit more and CJ Colden a little bit more. So uh, I'm interested to see how much, if he plays at all, outside of special teams this week. I don't know that he does. Um, 
And I'm sure people want some explanation on the Brian Darby thing, by the way, too. And I can give you that if y'all want it. Um, it was just a whole lot of nothing because of the DJ Graham situation. So he basically got moved to from like third string to scout. Because DJ moved over to wide receiver. That's that's essentially what that was about. Basically, his teammates looking up for him. I mean, I people made such a big deal about that. And I was like, dude, they're just they're just looking up for their teammate, man. They feel bad for a guy that played a lot the last two years, and he's not getting any burn right now with this new staff. That happens. I I I I on your bingo card of transfers, you can probably put Brian Darby in on that one. I can say that pretty pretty confidently at this point. Um, people are asking about Theo Weiss, too, and his non-play. There's people that say he's in the doghouse. There's people that saying, I, I, the injury, maybe he just wasn't 100% from the previous week. I mean, I don't, I don't know, like, what that situation is because he was starting to get the ball thrown to him quite a bit, and then all of a sudden just stopped. So have you heard anything? I've I've heard a bunch of rumors. Nothing I can confirm. Yeah, nothing nothing tangible. I think it's just a lot of speculation right now. And until we know anything legit, I think obviously, especially when you get in a situation like this where things aren't great and the team's losing games, people are going to find every little thing to speculate about. So. At a certain point, you just have to acknowledge that these are conversations that are going to be had on social media in particular, and there's really no way around them. And Do you think he transfers at the end of the year that the rate is going? Weiss? Remember, he almost transferred last year, him and Mims, and he was talked into staying. Uh, Originally, he was talked into staying by Caleb Williams, ironically. Yeah. Caleb Williams um, talked him into staying and then it's just like then he left. <laughs> yeah. Um it's well, he would have he would have two years. Would he have two years? He would have two years. Yeah, because he's got the COVID year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's graduating. Like he's graduating this this spring. Yeah, so he home. could have yeah, that that could be one guy that transfers. And again, like I I'm hesitant even to say that because I don't want to speculate about whether a guy's going to transfer or not, because mm-hmm. then what inevitably ends up happening is that gets picked up by fans. And I don't yeah. want guys getting tweeted at because I made a half-hearted comment on a podcast about how, well, it makes sense if X, Y, Z player looked elsewhere this off season. I just don't think that's fair, but you, know, you look at the situation. Yeah. I did with Brian Darby just now, but I think that's <laughs> fair to say. At this yeah. Point. There's, know. Yeah, there's a circumstance in which you could see Weiss moving on, perhaps. Yeah. Um. So, Dylan Gabriel's back this week, as far as we know. I mean, that's what Venables has said. They expect him to be back yesterday. We're recording this Friday morning. 
They were supposed to know Thursday. We haven't heard anything other than he will be back. And I talked to people last night. Seemed like he will be back. So until we are here, otherwise we expect him to be back. And with that being the case, how do you see this game playing out? I believe I had Oklahoma 41 to 27 when I published my pregame piece this morning. So that's what I'll stick Mm -hmm. with. Kansas is going to move the ball with Jason being at quarterback. They'll score. They'll string together some drives. But, man, I I, I truly do believe that at a certain point this you season. Said we Jason Bean will string together some drives. String Bean. Sorry. No, I was doing sorry. plan words. No, no pun intended. Needless to say. But <laughs> no, at, at some point this year, I and I mentioned this in my column, at some point this year we are going to see a Dylan Gabriel Renaissance game. I don't know if that comes this weekend, but trust me, there will be a game on the schedule where Dylan Gabriel just comes out and lights it the hell up. I don't know when or where that's going to be, but it's coming. Uh, I'm curious to see how eager Jeff Levy is to let him go kind of completely unchanged and fling the ball around coming out of the concussion protocol. I wonder if the game plan kind of tempers things, at least initially, for Gabriel in the passing game and keeps things more stable and more low maintenance. But, no, I like Oklahoma to win this game. And, again, as we've talked about, Brandon, at some point this thing has to turn. And this weekend provides a very logical uh, point along the timeline for it to turn because – You get to play a Kansas team that's coming off their first loss of the year. They hit some adversity for the first time this season. They've got their backup quarterback uh, suiting up and going to take the snaps for them. There's no reason why you shouldn't win this football game if you're Oklahoma. Yeah, There's no reason. Um, I agree. I'm going to go with Oklahoma 38, Kansas 31, because I think it'll end up being closer than – the nine point spread that they have it at. I just don't believe that nine point spread at all. Honestly, like I think it's, it's really bad. Okay. Before we, before we start to close this thing out, let's get to a couple of questions on a thread on OU insider VIP. It was called air your grievances and ask questions about what's going on in the program. Um, why do people say BB's defense is complicated when Clemson always talked about how simple it was and easy for new players to get up to speed faster than other programs? I've never heard that. I've always heard how complicated Brent Venable's defense is. Um, and I, I think initially when he got to Clemson, that was kind of the his way of doing things. But as he progressed as a defensive coordinator – so did his so did his play calling and so did the playbook. And I think I don't know, when you talk to coaches, when you talk to sources, when you talk to people behind the scenes, I've always been told you have to be really smart to play certain positions, all out linebacker and safety in his. It's easy for corners, it's easy for defensive linemen, because they are expected to be athletic freaks and just do their job. They are not they are not out there to get people lined up in the right spot. They are not out there to 
make sure that you're in the right coverages, make sure that your linemen are shaded correctly because of how the offense lined up and whatever the case may be. I'm trying to simplify this for everybody that doesn't know football terminology too much shade, meaning where they line up head up on a offensive lineman. For those that don't know, um, there is a lot to it. They get like two or three calls in at a time. And those two or three calls are predicated off of what formation, what hash they're at. And the players have to know that it is not simple. It is, it is the antithesis of simple for certain positions. So I don't, I don't know. I think you're simplifying that by asking that. And that came from our, one of our mods, OU in LA. And I think it's a, it's a good question. I don't know. Parker, do you want to, you want to extrapolate on that anymore? Okay. So rephrase this question to me here. Why do people say BB's defense is so complicated when Clemson always talked about how simple it was and easy for new players to get up to speed faster than other programs? Well, he, and here's it's, it's, uh, it's position. Certain positions are easy. Well, and here's, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. It's year one. And I know that's a very obvious surface level explanation, but got to a certain point at Clemson. You had guys who had played the defense for two, three, four years, and they could take a very active role in easing the transition for the younger players as they came in and giving them pointers and the tips and tricks of their assignments and their roles on said defense. Everybody was operating on the exact same learning curve when Brent Venables and this new staff got to town in January. Nobody had any more experience in this defense than anybody else. And as we've talked about, Brandon, Brent Venables could have brought a few guys from Clemson with him to help ease that transition, but he did not. And so everybody's learning at the same pace right now. Mm-hmm. There are no experienced guys when you're talking about having played this defense for more than a few months. There's nobody that is a seasoned veteran and a savant in this particular scheme. It's new to everybody. And so that's the difference right now between what Brent Venables has in his hand at Oklahoma and the hand that he ultimately cultivated at Clemson after being there for three, four years. Yeah. Okay. Here's, here's another one. I was just wondering if Brent Venables knows Bruce play calling ain't it. And is or is he using it to weed out the non-mentally tough players on the team to see where we need to improve on that front? Thoughts. Uh, we covered the non-mentally tough part and weeding out earlier in the podcast. So that answers that question. They are doing that. Uh, as far as roof and the play calling goes, Parker, I don't know if I want to touch that. <laughs> like I, 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 I I'll, I'll say this. Venables was very much a part of the play calling games. One through three. Does correlation equal causation? Not necessarily, but. You take it for what you will. Thank you, Parker. 
Um, I think that answers that one. Because <laughs> at this point, I think if you're Venables, either you take full control now or you stay away from that play calling and you have a fall guy in roof. That's my opinion. That I have no, I have no sources or anything on that. But it feels like if you're going to recruit players, you can say, I am not the one making the calls this year. I will be next year. That was Roof. Not happening again. That way he has a way to stay away from everything. That's just my opinion. I think there's a fall guy here, and I think it's Ted Roof. That doesn't mean I don't think he's going to be a part of the program next year, which I think there's a chance he leaves because he's he never stays anywhere more than a year or two anyways outside of Duke. So that's that's nothing new. His son isn't going to play any more football. So the reason for him being at Oklahoma is now gone. <clears throat> so outside of that, do you if I if I'm Brent Venables, this is my opinion. Brandon Drum. Nobody else is no sources, no nothing. If you want to get rid of Ted Roof, you get rid of Ted Roof. And I like Ted Roof. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a good coach. I just don't know that he's played. I it, it takes a certain feel to make a play to call plays. It just does. And I don't know that he has that. Number two, I think you go get Brian Odom back. I think he was an excellent linebacker coach. What he did with the linebackers at Oklahoma were phenomenal. Osamoa, Kenneth Murray, Caleb Kelly was phenomenal. Do you know? Look, Igwebu played better under that previous regime than he has so far under Brent, Brent Venables, and I would, I would, I would venture say so to Danny Stutzman. And that's not because Venables doesn't—he's the best linebacker coach in the country, but Venables can't sit there and coach linebackers twenty-four-seven. He can't be in the meetings with them twenty-four-seven. He's got so many other things to do. So I think you need to go get an elite, elite linebacker coach and I honestly and one that loves Oklahoma and I I think that's Brian Odom and I think he would come back I honestly do you think I I I think you know he would too he's he's a native of Ada he is an Oklahoma alumnus he was on the national championship team in 2000 he was on the OU staff for years and years. Yes, his football's Brian family royalty. Out. Yeah, his football's family family royalty in the state of Oklahoma. Like literally, the Odoms are family royalty when it comes to Oklahoma high school football. His brother still coaches at Ada. I think he's a head coach, right? Am I correct on that? And the athletic director there, if I remember right, Brad, if you're listening, text and let me know. Because <laughs> I can't remember. I know he's texted me quite a bit about what's going on at Ada. I'm pretty sure he's the head coach there. Um, but yeah, I, I I think you, I and I think he would fit the culture of what's going on. I think he fits Venables the way he coaches, anyways. Like he's very hard on those guys and demands excellence. And I think that's just and knows what he's doing when he coaches. Um, here, here's a funny one, Parker. How come it took an hour for Brent Venables and the players to make the post-game interview versus Texas? Bro, that is every game 
win or loss, we wait for at least 45 minutes to an hour, no matter what. Sometimes longer. It was like two hours, game one. Literally. Literally. You want to you wanna add on to that, Parker? I mean, it's just, it's, it's par for the course. It's what we've come to expect. Yeah. You know, it is, it is what it is. It gives me a chance to get all my game photos edited. So that's nice. But uh, yeah, it's, it's never a, uh, it's never an expedient walk from the field to the press conference room. There's always, there's always quite a detour in the locker room after games. How many freshmen uh, from this year's class that are currently committed do you think have a legitimate chance to compete or get significant snaps next season right away? Oh, there are or a will lot. Brent will be, or will BV and staff go with more experienced current players until young guys are in the system for a while? No, I think, no. I think, I think 2022 no. and 2023 are your majority of your players next year. Let's start with a couple guys with transfers, uh, with transfers. Yeah. Well, Let's start with the secondary. It. Let's start with the secondary because it's a dumpster fire right now. Mm-hmm. And you're going to you're going to lose some pieces. Obviously, you got guys like Justin Broyles graduating. Uh Woody Washington may move on to the NFL. We'll see. Um yeah, I I would figure you have a transfer to just based on the existing depth there. So, hey, Jacoby Johnson's coming in, Macari Vickers is coming in. Both those guys are going to have an opportunity to play off the bat. Caden Green's coming in. He's going to contend for a starting spot. I expect him to be in the two deep. PJ Adabare and Colton Vosick, instant impact guys off the edge. So to mm-hmm. me, it starts with those five. Those five players absolutely are going to have a chance to come in and play meaningfully right away. And you look at the speed merchants that Oklahoma has in the wide receiver room, Jaquez Petaway, Anthony Evans. If nothing else, those guys can contribute in the return game in 2023 without a doubt. Uh, Petaway plays right up. Uh, did you see the catch he made last night? My gosh. Oh, yeah, my that, that boy is. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. I think Jackson Arnold competes. I think he competes for a starting job with Dylan Gabriel. I do. People can call me crazy. I believe it. Um, I think Eric McCarty comes in and competes for some of the safety play because he's so smart. Uh, and fast, man. That guy can fly. People underestimate that guy is a four five four four guy, like legit. That's his speed. Like he can flat fly. Um, I think. I'm trying to think, you named Jacoby's Petaway. He's one that I would, I would, I would have in there. Um, trying. Who else did you name? I'm trying to. Uh, Vickers, Jacoby, yep, Caden Green, PJ, and Vossi. Mm-hmm. So I think Jacoby Johnson, yeah, I think Jacoby Johnson. I think Caden Green, I agree. Vickers, I agree. I think uh, LeBlanc, I think Vosick, and I think Atabori all get in rotation next year. Now, we're not saying they start. We're saying they get in rotation. I think Lewis Carter gets in the linebacker rotation next year uh, if he can put on some weight. Like, I think he's going to need to add, you know, 20 pounds, but I think if he can get up to 225, I think he legit could be that guy. Um, I think Anthony Evans does with his speed, especially if he puts on some weight. I think he plays quite a bit. I think Phil Pachotti plays quite a bit next year. He's just smart and aggressive. And you're talking about a guy that 
how shocked I was that he didn't get his fourth star in a new update. I was shocked. Like just shocked after because this his senior film is ridiculous at IMG. Um and I think I think Caleb Spencer. I think Caleb Spencer, and I was shocked he didn't get a fourth star too, by the way. Like how I I don't I don't I don't understand that. They I know they moved him up, but they didn't move him up all that much. I think that's that's the weird part about it. Like, of all the guys, everybody sat there and wowed about how great he was and all this and that. You remember that? Like, he had, oh, he's so amazing. He's having such a great year. And then they, they didn't even touch him in the 24. I think it's because Oklahoma's so high up that if they continue to move OU's evaluations up, they might start pushing for two and one at that point. Like just sure. I mean, points wise, cause it's just, I don't know. Anyways. Um, yeah, that's, I think a lot of those guys play quite a bit next year. I really do. Um, and that was from G money. OU. we'll get two more in before we close this out. Uh, let's get to a different one. Why is Aguebu still starting? He looks tired and lost out there. Or at least looks like he doesn't have any motion. That's from Jackson McCluid on our board. Thank you for asking that. Uh, because they don't have any depth. Where, where else do they go? Where else do they go, guys? I agree. They Him and Stutzman look just dog-tired. Just dog-tired. They play like 120 snaps a game. Literally. It's not sustainable. It's not sustainable right now. They look great to start the game usually. You see them flying around, making plays. Come middle of the second quarter, you see them just start trailing off because they're, they have no legs. They've got to start subbing those guys in. I mean, we all hated on Grinch for how much he subbed. We're like watching the antithesis of that right now with Venables and how he doesn't sub at all. These kids are worn out. They're tired. And you're seeing it on the field. They've got to figure something out there. They have to figure something out. Uh, Let's get to just two more real quick. The good Magneto. The good Magneto, not the bad one, the good one. Magneto was a bad guy against the next man. So, uh, one, do you believe in retrospect, Roof and Schmitty were the right hires? Two, five true freshmen that need to start playing Saturday. Uh, Roof, I think he's a good hire. Yeah. I just don't know that he's a good play caller on defense. I think those two don't have to be synonymous with one another. So, um, Schmitty was the right guy. Schmitty's arguably the best strength and conditioning coach in the country. Like everybody wants to sit there and hate on Jerry Schmidt. Like he's not the issue. Jerry Schmidt is actually from sources I talked to is one telling Venables, these guys are tired. You need to lay off them a little bit. So you can't blame him. You can be Schmitty built all you want, but some of these dudes aren't buying into a lot of stuff that's going on with strength and conditioning and 
the playbook. And that's the issue. You can't blame Schmitty. He can only, again, work them hard. Parker, you want to add to that one? I, there's not a whole lot you can add, Brandon. I mean, you said it. Like, Schmitty's doing his job with these dudes, but at the end of the day, if they're dog tired and they're battered and beat down, at a certain point, man, you got to let them heal up. You got to let them get healthy again before you can, like, everybody thinks, every. I shouldn't say everybody. There are certain fans that think the solution is just, oh, work more, practice more. Tire these guys out. Hammer it into them until they learn. You can't always do that. Can't always do that. And there are times at which you need to just allow guys the space to get right physically before they're going to improve on the football field. Yeah, The solution is not always to do more, to work more. Sometimes the solution is to take a step back and let them get right. And... That's why the bye week cannot come quick enough for Oklahoma. That's why I guarantee you everybody in that locker room is eager to go get a win tomorrow. Sure. But they're also eager to get to the other side of that Kansas game so that they can take a week off. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, This one real quick, uh, five true freshmen that need to start playing more. I think we've said it. Gentry Williams, Jaron Canick, R. Mason Thomas, uh, Robert Spears Jennings and Kip Lewis, I guess. Grayson Haltum, I mean, six, seven. Uh, I'm trying to think of more guys. That would, that, that kind of sums it up for me. It needs to be defensive guys. With, yeah, it's got to be defensive guys at this point. Offense is fine. Offense will be fine once Gabriel gets back in the mix. Well, who do you think? Who do you think? Yep. Um, One final question here. I'm trying to find one that is actually worth our. uh, Yeah, this is this is a good one to end on that because it's on kind of the same note. JWC twenty four eighty one. Thanks for the question. What is keeping this staff from giving young guys a shot? Well, I think initially it was learning the system and trusting the young older guys would do the job because they had been proven to be at least competent out there on the field. Well, we're not seeing the same play out of those guys. And maybe it's fit in the culture. Maybe it's fit in the system. I don't know. These guys were recruited for different systems. So fit in the system may be more to it. I do think you're going to see more young guys play, like we've said over and over and over on this podcast. So I I, I, I think that question is going to be nullified here moving forward. Yeah, I, like why these guys haven't played more than they have, I don't know. And I think the most glaring example of that is Jaron Kanick, right? You saw what he did at Nebraska, and most everybody concluded, okay, if he doesn't know what he's doing, and that was the type of game he had. I don't need I don't need him to know what he's doing. Just go out there and play linebacker, man. And alas, he really hasn't seen the field until garbage time ever since that Nebraska game. And that needs to change. I think that will change. And I think at this point in time, especially off two blowout losses, uh, if you don't see the deck shuffled, I'd be very surprised. 
Because the definition yeah. of insanity, Brandon, is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. So at some mm-hmm. point you're going to have to shake things up as far as defensive personnel. And I think that's the week. This is the week that we start to see that. Yep. Well, I, let's end on this one right here. It's from Hoodley Who. What is the message from the staff to recruits? Are they trying to reassure them? If so, how are they doing it? This is from Hoodley Who. Thanks for the question. I I think the 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 message is is please dear lord help us. Exactly well that's exactly what the message is. And help I've us. We several, need help. Yeah, I've talked to several commits <laughs> this week who said the exact same thing which is hey, the coaching staff is communicating to us that they need us here, they need us preparing as if we're going to play early because we're probably going to play early. And that's the mentality right now. And much as I touched on at the very beginning of the podcast from my conversation with Eric McCarty, these guys are locked in, not just with Oklahoma, but with one another. And they embrace the vision right now. And they embrace the challenge of getting there and helping change this program. And they're all eager to do that. Again, I'm not saying you don't see any decommits between now and national signing day, but I would be surprised if it's more than one or two at the end of it, regardless of who that may be. So Jackson Arnold yesterday told me this exact quote. He said, why would I leave a place that I'm going to be able to come in and compete for a starting job? Like literally will be able to compete for a starting job in year one at one of the best programs in the country. Number two, why would I leave a class that I helped build? He goes, I put so much time and effort into this class. We're connected at the hip right now. And he said, our thoughts are we're going to come in and try to make whatever happens in 2022 be nothing but a distant dream for Oklahoma fans and the program. He said, Oklahoma fans are crazy, like just insane. They believe everything. They think everything. They're wild. They're crazy. He goes, but that same passion is what makes you want to play hard. And it makes you want to go to that program and be the best that you can be. And that's coming from a 18 year old kid that sees the fans, sees everything that's going on, sees the program. Like he's, he, he will call me and say, man, that was rough to watch. I can't wait to get there next year and change all of this. Like it's going to change. We're going to change this. And that's kind of interesting that Eric McCarty's saying that and that Jackson Arnold's saying that. So that has to be one of the things that's being put in their head from the coaches is you all will be the change that needs to happen to this program. And when you have the history that Oklahoma has, and it's not like distant history, it literally was last year. They were 11 and two last year. Before that, they won Big 12 after Big 12 after Big 12, playoff after playoff after playoff after playoff appearances. You, when, you, when you have a down season, nobody believes that it's going to last. And you want to be the reason why it doesn't last. And that's what they're selling. You, you will be the reason this down side of this program does not last. And that, that's the selling point. And the, the players are buying it. Because they believe it because it's happened. Every time Oklahoma goes eight and four, eight and five, the very next year, they complete they compete for a Big 12 title. 
and then they win for years and years and years to come. So there's there's always seems to be a reset every seven, eight years. This is the reset. Now it's time to win. It's time to win in 2023. They need to win in 2022, but 2023 for sure. And it'll be a whole new team. It'll be like the Thunder. Like you never know what the roster is going to be every year right now. Like everything's kind of brand new. So, all right. Parker, real quickly, what was your final score for this week? 41-27 Sooners That's what I got. All right. And I had 38-31 Sooners. I believe they're going to win this weekend. And I believe that I wholeheartedly believe that there will be at least one player that is on a visit this weekend that will be in this 2023 class when it's all said and done. Do you agree well, with that? I would say, I would hope you mean at least two because Derek LeBlanc's already in it. Well, I, I, I was going uncommitted. Yeah, but, yeah I, I know. Yeah. But, yeah, but yes. Good joke. I would agree. I would agree with you. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all so much for joining us on this version of the OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners podcast. If you're not an OU Insider member, $1 for the first month, $9.95 afterwards. Literally, you can try us out for 30 days. If you don't want to do it, just cancel. You can just remove your card. You don't have to be on there with us. But give us a shot because we bring information, information, information to you guys. That Those questions that were asked were some of the 10,000 or whatever members that we have or close to or whatever. I don't know what it is. But we got a lot. And we've grown a lot. We've actually grown a lot since the losses have happened. So thank you, Sooners fans. We went down like there for a week, but we've skyrocketed back up. And thank you all so much for sticking with us because we try to bring you all information when we can. And we do it on a daily basis. We're not doing it one day a week, two days a week, three days a week. It's a daily thing with Parker and me. And then Joey brings the free side. And that's how we do it, man. So uh, hopefully... We'll see you guys on it. If you don't want to do the $1 for the first month, $9.95 afterwards, you can do it for $75 up front and get all 24-7 sports. Literally every site, Texas, the USC, Texas A&M, Oklahoma State, whatever, it's there for you. You can have at it, and you can also listen to us. So, uh, And read our, read our information as well. So if you want to know about a recruit, you want to know about another team, you can go check out what they're saying on other sites. So, yeah, sign up for that. $75 for a whole year. Um, and then after that $75 for a whole year, once you re-up after a year, you get Paramount Plus for free. So that's two for one deal. And Paramount Plus is freaking awesome. I won't use it every day. So, um, yeah, that's going to do it. Parker, any final thoughts? None whatsoever, Brandon. Uh, cool. Excited to see the Prentice Scott Unity uniforms. There you I go. I am too. We didn't even we didn't even talk about that. I'm so sorry, folks. I'm so sorry. We totally forgot to talk about it. We can talk about that real quick if you want to. You like them? Yeah. Well, my 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 thing is for me the jury's still out. I got to see what they look like with my own two eyes. Photo shoot's yep. nice, but every uni every uniform looks good in a photo shoot. Let's see what they look like yep. tomorrow morning at 11 a.m. Yep. I like the I like the I like the idea around them. Uh, I think they look cool in the photos. It'd be really cool at night, by the way, with the lights. I think they look way cooler. But 11 a.m. kickoffs or 11 a.m. kickoffs, you playing for the University of Oklahoma, that's where you're going to kick off, folks. You have no choice. <laughs> it's just like the Big 12 says, you are an 11 a.m. team, always and forever. So, um, 
yeah I, i'm excited to see it though i love the i love the thought around them i love the fact that prince god is getting recognized once again and i hope that if they do look cool as we think they're gonna look that they make them a staple every year at least one game a year instead of the i do like the all red rough riders though the all reds are sick but anyways all right there it is we talked about the uniforms for y'all and we're done all right that's going to do it for this version of the ou insider under the visor students podcast you guys for parker thune my name is brandon drum you guys have a blessed day Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.